This is Colin Jeter of the XFL Seattle Dragons. Welcome to XFL Extra, the XFLboard.com podcast. Ready for some more XFL? Welcome back to XFL Extra, the podcast brought to you by XFLboard.com. I'm your host, Mark Nelson, and this is our 17th episode. In this episode, we will introduce two guests. First, we will hear from Colin Jeter, a tight end currently with the Seattle Dragons of the XFL. We will talk to Colin about his journey from a high school football team in Longview, Texas, to the LSU Tigers in Baton Rouge through two NFL teams, and eventually being drafted by the Seattle Dragons in the open round of the October draft. Then we will talk to one of our XFLboard.com Tampa Bay Vipers team reporters, Greg Parks. We will ask Greg about XFL player movements, and get some idea of what to expect of the fluid team rosters between now and XFL kickoff. I call this podcast Solidify. It's about a player that is looking to solidify his pro football career by demonstrating his skills as a member of the Seattle Dragons. And about all XFL teams that are trying to solidify their rosters in preparation for a meaningful training camp taking place in the month of January. There are 41 days until XFL kickoff. Let's get started. I'd like to welcome Colin Jeter to the podcast. Colin's a tight end currently with the Seattle Dragons of the XFL. Welcome, Colin. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on the show, Mr. Mark. Yeah, great. <laughs> you don't have to call me Mr. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, you're from Texas, so you you grew up to be a polite person, didn't you? That, yeah, that's how, that's how Mama raised me, so that's just how I am. That's what I figured. That's I've already figured that out. So so you grew up in uh, Longview, Texas, and you went to Longview High yes, School. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's correct. And you played football for Longview, didn't you? Yes, sir. I did. Played for Coach King in Longview. And you were a tight end back then? Yeah, I did. I, uh, I grew up as a kid. I played offensive line just because I was the biggest kid of everybody, but I kind of grew up and stretched out, and uh, they just decided to move me to tight end, and I stuck Stuck in that position since. So you got tall, and the coach said, you're now a tight end. Yeah, pretty much. That's how it works. So after high school, you had an opportunity to go to college and play for, and you did play for the LSU Tigers, didn't you? Yes, sir. That's correct. I kind of had a a wild road, but uh, ended up playing for LSU and got to play there for three years and uh, had had a blast. Uh, Coach Inzbinger recruited me, and uh, he was my tight ends coach, and Ended up being the OC uh, the last portion of my senior year. So he basically recruited me there, and I had a phenomenal time living in Baton Rouge and uh, just enjoying the game and enjoying playing big-time football. How far away is Baton Rouge from Longview? Uh, depending on how fast you drive, I, I can make it in about four and a half hours. So your family must have come out for games quite often. Yeah, it was great. It was, it was perfect. It was, it was close enough for family to come, but far enough away where I wasn't getting any uh, surprise visits from mom. So <laughs> they, uh, yeah, they they came to especially my senior year. They made they made every game my senior year, but they came to a lot before that. Well, that's exciting to have your family there. I'm sure. 
Oh yeah, it's all, it's always great playing in front of family. So after college, uh, like a lot of players, you went undrafted, but you you did sign with the Indianapolis uh, Colts. I did, yeah. I, of course, you know how the draft day uh, it can be somewhat disappointing, obviously, when you don't hear your name called. But I got a call pretty much right after, and I, I was excited to just get the opportunity. So. Yeah, I went up to, uh, the, with the Colts, and I was there all summer and started training camp and really enjoyed it. Just enjoyed kind of being living the professional life and learning what I could. I mean, it's hard to complain about having Andrew Luck as your quarterback. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was great. And, unfortunately, the, the old foot gave out. and uh, I was released. So you ended up with a foot injury. I had earned a spot at least for the training camp roster before they made final cuts. But I, I ended up breaking my foot like the first week of training camp and uh, I had foot surgery and it didn't work out for me, but uh, that's just, that's just how the business works. Yeah, I guess so. You know, that's a shame. I really, I really uh, feel for you. I mean, we've heard that story before, but it doesn't, doesn't make it good to hear it again. So you, uh, <laughs> yeah. so your foot injury uh, took you off the field. It, it did. Yeah. I, I did about a, I, I had surgery literally the day after I broke it, but I, I did about three months of rehab and got back going. And at that point, I was just looking for, for more tryouts. So I ended up getting a few and then uh, ended up getting signed with Tampa Bay the next that next season. And you spent time with Tampa Bay. Similar story, man. I, I was there for, with Tampa, and I played in a preseason game and felt fine after the game, but woke up the next day and had a, just a terrible headache and, I uh, got diagnosed with a concussion, and I was just, once again, you know, you can't afford to not be out there on the field, and uh, they, they waved me. So that's just how it went. I had the concussion, and that was kind of two strikes for me, and, uh, yeah, I was, I was back out of a job. So it's been somewhat of a journey and, and frustrating with the injuries. And this is why it's a journey, isn't it, because of the uh, the setbacks, the opportunities and the setbacks, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's what's – that's how it goes. There's so many guys that have similar stories to me, whether it's injuries or, you know, just not having room on a roster and you're just kind of bouncing around. But I think that's what makes this, this league so great is that it, it provides opportunity for guys like me. So when did you become interested in the XFL? Pretty much immediately, man. When, when the opportunity was there and it was, it was the chance to uh, not only get to play ball and get better, but to, you know, make some cash while you're doing it and just keep, keep on living the dream. I had to jump on it. So I was excited to do the showcase and uh, see where it take me. And obviously now with Seattle, and it, it's been great so far. I mean, camp was a good experience. So I'm just looking forward to get to play. I guess I'm just, it's been frustrating doing the parts of football that aren't necessarily fun as far as just off-season work and uh, just little pieces of training camp, not even really getting to play. But uh, now that I'm back and out there with the guys and just, you know, us just having fun playing ball and, learning what we can, it's, that's, it really brings the joy of football back. So you're really feeling it right now then? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we did two weeks of minicamp, and we get this little break, but uh, I'm excited to get back out of training camp and get back with the guys and, and just out there have fun and play some ball. It's it's not too difficult for you to head, attend training camp because training camp is in Houston, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right down the road. I, I almost thought about just driving over because like, it's, it's like a three-hour drive, but uh, I'm going to fly, so... Yeah, it's, it's Houston. I'm pretty familiar with it. It's, I've been to Houston plenty of times. So it's definitely nice having it close to home. makes things a little easier. And, uh, yeah, we'll have a few weeks of camp, and then we'll see what happens after that. 
So the mini camp was kind of about meeting the coaches and getting uh, getting the team and get the team to start to bond, right? Yeah, exactly. We that's the thing. We you know you're you're in a hotel with sixty or however many guys we had for two weeks. Kind of get you got nothing to do besides ball and 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 eat and get to know each other. So we did all that and really just learning the system. I mean, they're, they're doing a good job of installing offense for us. The same with on the defensive side and special teams. So. It's all just about learning and being together. I mean, you're with these guys all day, so you're bound to get to know them eventually. So I think we got a good group of guys and a lot of guys that are interested, you know, just a bunch of guys that want to win, number one, and also great guys outside of the outside of the locker room. So Yeah, I'm sure everybody there wants to prove something, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you wouldn't be in this league if you didn't. So everyone's there. There's, there's some guys that I've known. Like, there's guys that played – against in high school there's guys that played against in college and we're just all in the same boat right now so everyone's looking just to continue to play and, and really to go prove something and uh, get back at the top so it's really a band of brothers then oh absolutely yeah it's it's guys i you know when you have similar experience, life experiences i think that brings everybody together so like i said we're all in the same boat right now and uh we're just trying to do what we can to extend our playing time and, and have fun while we're doing it so the training camp coming up is going to be a little more serious, I'm sure, uh, with the team and uh, putting together your uh, the Dragons play package and everything like that. And I noticed that there's five tight ends on the Dragons roster, so you'll be competing for one of those starting spots, won't you? Yes, sir, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's how it goes. Mini camp was kind of an introductory phase and, and getting everyone into getting it going, getting the routine of things. But, you know, when training camp comes, it's pretty much full go. So we're looking forward to just uh, – adding on to what we've already learned and yeah obviously they, they make roster cuts so we're gonna do what we can and you you want everyone wants to make the team but not everybody can but someone's going to be going full go and and doing what they can to make that squad but you've been there before I and mean, this is not unusual for you yeah yeah it's, it's just football man especially at this level at the professional level you know it's it's ball but it's also business so we get how it goes there's only so many spots and that's, everyone's competing to get that spot, so you can believe you're going to get the best effort out of everybody. So what's your first impression of Seattle? <laughs> the first thing I notice is that the sun never really comes out. It's it's always rainy or cloudy, seems like, but I, I, I love it, honestly. We got a, we'd get a few hours here and there to kind of walk around the town, and I went down to Pike's Market and, and saw things like that, and we went and saw the stadium one day. It's, it seems like a real sports town as far as people excited to see us play i mean we had a, like a thousand people show up to our fan day so seems like a, a fun place to be and there's plenty of things to go around and see so i like it but like i said it's just it's just a cloudy town that's how it is and I, which i don't mind it's cool it's better than being roasting down here in texas but uh I, so i like it i like it pine trees water mountains it's hard to beat that it's probably a way sunnier in texas uh, maybe it depends on the time yeah. of the year, of course. Um, did, so you went to the Pike Market. Were they throwing the fish around when you were there? Yeah, oh yeah, that's, that's the thing, I guess. That's how I went down to go see. So it's a cool experience. It's always fun just seeing things like that. Yeah, I always, I always like to see that and them throwing the fish back and forth. It was always fun. Well, it's nice mm-hmm. talking with you, Colin, and uh, we wish you all the best in the upcoming training camp and the upcoming season with the Dragons. Yes, sir. I, I appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on and. Uh, Looking forward to the season as well. Thank you. You're welcome. I 
I'd like to welcome Greg Parks to the podcast. Greg is a football fan and an XFLboard.com team reporter for the Tampa Bay Vipers. He is also a wrestling fan and a columnist at Pro Wrestling Torch, pwtorch.com. Welcome, Greg. Thanks for having me again, Mark. Yeah, it's good to have you. And uh, I'd like to thank you for coming on the podcast because I know you're on your Christmas vacation right now. Yeah, I'm actually visiting family up in New York, but uh, happy to take a few minutes to, to talk about the XFL. Well, that's what we're going to do. So let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the XFL then. Once the mini camps ended, which was an exciting moment, but we immediately began to hear of XFL players being waived, uh, first from the Wildcats. Now, what was the purpose of waiving these players at this time? Well, I think it's like you know any uh, sports team where there's going to be turnover, and really this was the first time that these teams got a look at their players. Uh, installing their offense and installing their defense on the football field. Uh, so you can, you know, draft guys and you can claim guys off waivers and, and hope they fit into what you're going to do. But the minicamp was really the first time these coaches got to look at these players playing in their system. And, you know, sometimes the players don't fit the system like you expect. And sometimes you can tell that right off the bat, uh, even though that the minicamp was still a pretty light uh, practice in terms of what they will have comparatively speaking to uh, training camp when it opens next week. Um, you, you can kind of tell, and there are some guys who, you know, may come in uh, a little more out of shape than you'd prefer or what have you. So uh, it's really the beginning of what I expect to be a pretty constant roster churn all the way through training camp. Yeah, I think the roster churn, as you put it, uh, is quite obvious. I mean, the the rosters are quite fluid right now and mm -hmm. players are being added to rosters quite actively is this going to continue oh yeah absolutely i believe so and um you know we, we've kind of lucked out to have a couple of the teams announce their transactions or at least some of their transactions on twitter not all of the teams have done so at least yet there's still some time before training camp for teams to do that and you know we've we've had the uh, xfl.com uh, has updated the team rosters very recently, so we've been able to kind of compare the uh, minicamp rosters that were posted to the uh, rosters that were posted after minicamp and kind of take a look at who's off the team, who's on the team, and, and things like that. And, of course, we can speculate about all the players who are off the team, whether or not they've been released. Maybe they've been uh, placed on a, you know a injured reserve, or maybe they've never reported to, to minicamp. So, um, still unclear as to why some of those players are not on the roster since we haven't, you know, it hasn't been a really um, transparent transaction system thus far. And, and that's one of the things I'm hoping improves as we get into training camp. Yeah, it would be great to see that uh, on our website somewhere with transactions, daily transactions mm -hmm. or weekly transactions. The uh, rosters that are put up on xfl.com on the 26th that was great i'm glad they did that because people yep. were asking about them and as a matter of fact uh one of our other xfl board team reporters mike mitchell uh he actually went to each team and asked for their roster and he got them that was before mm -hmm. christmas and then on the actually uh on the 26th in the morning i went and asked for all the rosters and I got some of them to put on xflboard.com. And then all of a sudden, the XFL put their rosters out, like they updated yeah. them. So I think they got the message that, that maybe they <laughs> needed to do this, or maybe they planned to. I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to take credit for that. Now, one of the things, 
like you were mentioning, a lot of players have been being dropped off rosters, and we we really don't know why for some of them. And it's, mm-hmm. um, I I know of one player that told me uh, that he was dropped just before the mini camp, and he claims he was never told why. So I think there's a lot of player movements that, well, obviously the fans don't aren't aware of the reasons, and we won't always be aware of the reasons, I guess. Yeah, and, and that's just the way it goes. Um, you know, I think the league is trying to be as transparent as possible without delving too much into, um, you know, the, the thoughts and ideas of, of each head coach. I mean, it, it happens in the NFL. You know, some guys get cut, um, and we don't always know the reason. You know, there are guys who are signed to practice squads in the NFL one day, and then 24 hours later they're cut. And it kind of makes you scratch your head, but, um, you know, it, it, that sort of thing happens all the time in the NFL, and, and I would expect something similar in the XFL. It's about the game of football, then. That's a part of the game of football. Yep, absolutely. And the other thing we have to remember, too, is uh, I would expect that the players who are um, being signed to league contracts or who are being put in the available player pool is constantly being refreshed. You know, there are always players who are either um, cut by NFL teams who are interested in in being in the league or – you know, maybe from other leagues, the CFL is having their free agency very soon. So um, those that pool, I, I imagine, is always being refreshed. So uh, it may be something as simple where, you know, a team cuts a player because somebody just popped up in the player pool that they wanted to claim. And, and that could be the case as well. Yeah, so that the pool is fluid as well. So, of, of yeah. course, you know, there's the football opportunities that are available right now for players uh, it seems to change. Of course, there's a Canadian league, uh, and there used to be the AAF, of course. But can mm-hmm. you imagine, uh, with all the jockeying of players, can you imagine how this would have gone if the AAF was still in business? I, I You know what? I think about that a lot. I, I think about not only from the player perspective, but from the coaches. You know, so many of the coaches and uh, front office personnel for each team has come from the uh, alliance. And... Uh, that pool would be a lot smaller um, had the AAF stayed in business, and not only for front office and coaches, but for players as well. Uh, this the XFL is going to be uh, the best league for talent outside of the NFL when it comes to professional football. And I imagine with the AAF getting a year head start, if they had been. Uh, proven to be uh, solid from a business perspective and they had gotten through the first season successfully and a player had the choice to choose between the AAF, which had already proven uh, theoretically in uh, in year one that they were sustainable going forward, or the XFL, which, you know, fair or not, a lot of players, agents, and coaches would have looked back on the first version, which only lasted a year. And there would be questions about the viability of, of the new league and whether or not it would be a sort of fly-by-night league. So I think the AAF would have had a leg up because they would have already had shown that they are sustainable where the XFL was still largely a question mark. So I think when you look at it from that perspective, I think the AAF um, would have had, at least out of the gate, uh, you know, compared to the first season of the XFL in 2020, I think it probably would have had the, the better talent. But, you know, because of where we are now and because of what happened, that's all speculation on my part. Yeah, of course, it's speculation. You know, I was a fan of the AAF, and I know you were too. And uh, 
of course, if, if the AAF was still running, it would be great for players right now and coaches, as you point sure. out. There'd be, yeah. there'd be double the jobs essentially for available right now in, in, a, in, in pro football, um, in that, in that level of league anyways. But like, for example, you wrote about the, the cuts of Sean Oakman mm-hmm. and, uh, Jeremiah Spicer and, mm-hmm. and you wrote how it, it's, it's a, it's a hard cut, but it's the business of football. But if the AAF was still around, maybe those guys would, would not be cut. Maybe they'd be on an AAF roster or vice versa. Someone cut from the AAF would be on an XFL roster. If it's strictly from a talent perspective, that's true. Um, you know, you had, I mean, just imagine how many guys on the LA roster right now, um, would be on an AAF roster. And all of a sudden, you know, maybe a Jeremiah Spicer who was cut probably because there were more talented players ahead of him in that linebacker room. Um, he may have had more of an opportunity with the Wildcats had that been the case. So yeah, that, that's absolutely, you know, the, the available jobs for players and coaches would have been bigger. And I think that's one of the real downsides, even though the XFL was able to benefit from the AAF's collapse. One of the downsides is um, not as many jobs out there for players and coaches. Yeah, of course. And again, we're speculating, you know, I think you and I feel the same way about these players uh, uh, like Spicer and we wish mm-hmm. him, we wish him all the best and wish him a, a, a good pro football career that he, that he finally finds an opportunity that he can, that will stick. Uh, and you know that I interviewed him and I, I really feel for the guy. Mm-hmm. So, and I think, yeah. I think you're of the same mind, mindset as well. Sure. And you know, this is by no means the end of the line. Um, you know, there's injuries happen all the time. Once training camp really gears up, we'll, we'll have injuries there. And, uh, Spicer still being in the player pool, having signed a contract, having gone to minicamp with the Wildcats, there's always a chance that an opportunity opens up with another XFL team that may want to take a look at him and bring him into training camp. Exactly. So all the best to uh, guys like Spicer and Oakman, and hopefully they they get their opportunity uh, back. Now, uh, Monday, December 30th is a key NFL day. Now, how do you think this will play out for the XFL? I I don't think I'm as bullish on... um, players foregoing NFL futures contracts uh, for an opportunity in the XFL. I know Oliver Luck has made the statement that he's heard from practice squad players and agents that, you know, they're, they're interested in, in participating in the XFL. And I think a lot of people have, have taken that and extrapolated that a little beyond maybe what, what Luck was talking about. But of course, uh, December 30th would be, um, this, this coming Monday after the NFL season ends and for uh, a number of teams who don't make the playoffs, that's when they start signing practice squad players to futures contracts and have them locked up throughout the offseason. Now, um, based on past history, there are 10 players that are carried on each team's practice squad, and some teams will sign all 10 to futures contracts. Um, some teams will sign six or seven or seven or eight. So uh, it really all depends. And, um, you know, there could be, and I guess it all depends on if a player is offered a futures contract and they decline and they want to play in the XFL instead. I don't really see that happening a lot. You know, you're taking, you know, you're, you're getting the opportunity to make some money with the XFL, but you're also um, opening up yourself to the chance of injury that could happen uh, during the XFL season that would prevent you from being signed uh, by an NFL team after the XFL season ends. So there's a lot of risk reward there for players that they have to consider. Um, so I think, you know, at most you'll have two or three players uh, per team 
uh, on the practice squad right now who are not signed to futures contracts. Those players uh, are ripe for the plucking for the XFL um, if they're able to sign those guys. So I don't think it's going to be this you know giant pool of players that opens up necessarily, uh, but I think there could be a you know a dozen or so, maybe maybe more. Uh, players who are not signed to futures contracts who decide uh, to take a shot in the XFL. Yeah, I think there'll be a few, but I agree with you. I don't think it'll be a lot. Uh, I've spoken to a lot of players, you know, and uh, they they say things like, well, they're really focused on an NFL career. And I think some of them feel that if they they get out of the NFL train, even if it's just being on a practice roster, if they get away from that and go to the XFL, then they will never go back to the NFL. And they're afraid of that as well. So they they think that they well I'm in the NFL system, I right? Need to stick with it, uh, yeah. And that's why I said risk reward because it's a lot safer to sign that futures contract to know that you'll probably at least make it into camp, whether it's mini camp or training camp. You're on the roster. Um, you know the big risk would be going to the XFL, trying to prove yourself, trying to make a bigger statement, and um, you know get signed by an NFL team and and maybe have, you know, NFL teams bidding for your services after the um after the NFL or after the XFL season ends. So, uh, again, risk reward, um a lot of players, you know, probably not willing to take that risk. They'll they'll take the safe offer with the NFL. And, you know, I totally get that. You know, there's of course the most of the XFL quarterbacks that are that have been uh, contracted are in the position where they were not getting playing time in the NFL, therefore they came to the XFL to prove themselves. And uh yeah, so you're right about mm-hmm. that. Now, there's been some player additions to uh, XFL rosters. As a matter of fact, from the original draft to now, there was 70 players drafted to each team originally. And now the number remaining of those draftees on each team ranges from 49 to 57. So there's been players added to those two rosters of teams. Now, what are some of the exciting player additions that we've heard about recently? Uh, well, I just noted a couple. Um, Nick Brissett, who's a running back out of LSU, uh, was added by the DC Defenders. And I think that's a, that's a really interesting addition. Obviously, coming out of a major college program like LSU, he spent some time in uh, New England Patriots camp. So, uh, obviously, highly thought of by one of the best uh, personnel evaluation teams in the NFL. And, uh, you know, he had, had a lot of success in college. So, I'm interested to see how he fits in the DC. There have not been a lot of quarterbacks added. Uh, post draft and, and during minicamp, but one of them is Marcus McDade out of Sacramento State. He was a transfer from Fresno State, where he had some success there. He was um, claimed by the Houston Roughnecks, and it gives uh, June Jones another quarterback in the quarterback room as they head to training camp. So I think he's an interesting addition. I don't know that he's a guy who can uh, really challenge for the starting job or anything like that, but uh, I think he'll make a, the the backup battle there kind of interesting. And another one I noted was uh, Daniel Braverman, wide receiver out of Western Michigan. He's a guy, uh, a slot receiver that's been compared in some circles to Julian Edelman um, and guys like that. Um, so I think he can be really effective, had a lot of success at Western Michigan, and he was uh, claimed by the, the Battle Hawks. So he's a guy who, you know, I think has a really good shot of making that team as, a, as, a, as an effective slot receiver um, for the Battle Hawks. So there's been some opportunities for XFL teams to pad their rosters with some players who became available or who are now available, and that's good to see, of course. Yeah, I mean, I mean these are not like third- or fourth-tier guys who, who are being signed, and that's why I said you've always got to keep your eye on that player pool because you may have some talented guys who 
for whatever reason, we're not part of the summer showcases, whatever reason, we're not part of the original draft pool for whatever reason, we're not uh, part of the supplemental draft in November, you know, maybe injuries, maybe they were on NFL teams, you know, there are some players, Nick Brosette was uh, taking workouts in the NFL up to December 11th, um, was I think his last workout. So, you know, he's been in that uh, workout loop for the NFL. And at some point you got to make a decision, you know, whether or not you want to continue doing that and, and not get signed to, to even a practice squad or, you know, take a shot at playing in the XFL. And for everybody, that's different. You know, every player has a different uh, cutoff point to where they're ready to say, okay, you know, things are not working out for me here in the NFL. I'm not getting any sniffs. I'm not getting as many workouts as I'd hoped. Let me take a chance here. So that cutoff point is going to be different for every player. And that's why I say, um, you know, you still might get some talented players entering that player pool here, even as we get into training camp. Of course, you're right about that. Through training camp, I suspect the rosters will become far less fluid and far more solid, right? You know, if if we're looking at the NFL as an example, that might not necessarily be the case. I don't know if we should be looking at the NFL for an example on this. But, you know, the NFL is notorious for there's a lot of turnover during training camp. Um, you know, part of it depends on how many players throughout training camp become available in the um, player pool that the teams have a chance to claim. Uh, part of it is injuries. You know, is this going to be a strenuous training camp for some of these teams? Or are they going to be kind of laid back and, and try to really not push the players to the point where there are a lot of injuries happening? Um, I, I'm assuming that a lot of the the changes on the roster will be due to injury. So um, it's going to be interesting. You know, this is every step of the way and everything we're talking about is, is brand new to all of us. So there's just so much speculation. We can't say, well, last year this happened. So I would assume the same thing is going to happen this year. We don't, we don't have that opportunity, which I think is what makes it really interesting to discuss. Yeah, I like that idea. It'll be interesting to discuss and watch, won't it? Now, uh, you're, you're a guy that follows football transactions, yeah, <laughs> quite quite <laughs> religiously. It, yeah. <laughs> if there was a religion for that, you'd be like the, you'd be in that, right? Now I think so. Okay, good. So I'm talking to the right guy. Now, <laughs> uh, players get dropped off teams for a variety of reasons, as you know. Um, yeah. Now I mentioned earlier that there was 70 people, 70 players drafted, and then mm-hmm. uh, now most rosters only have um, have like many of those have dropped off. Now, what are some of the reasons they may have been dropped? Well, I think we we kind of talked about this a little earlier. There's a ton of reasons it could be. It could be, you know, especially from the draft, you know, in between the draft in October and the the mini camp um, in early December, you could have had a lot of players who decide, you know what, I wanted to put my name in the pool. I thought about it, thought about it, and I decided, you know, this isn't for me right now in my my place in life. So there's uh, players who, who did not report. There were players who in between the, the draft and the reporting to minicamp that were signed by NFL teams. Um, you know, there were guys who, like, you know, I said earlier, who once you get those guys in a minicamp, you see what kind of shape they're in, you see what kind of teammates they are, you see how they fit or don't fit into your offense or defensive scheme that you're going to run. You may decide that, you know, he's not a fit for us and you may release him. So there are a ton of different reasons why, um, the rosters have changed so much since the draft in October to where we are today. Yeah, of course. I think I think a lot of fans are still getting used to this idea of of, of this fact. And as we touched upon, since we don't have any a notice of the exact player transactions and when they'd happen, so we were kind of in the dark on those. Yeah. 
I, I hope the XFL, and I actually, I know the XFL will get better at, at uh, transmitting those. I just know it. It mm-hmm. just, we'll just have to wait for that to happen. Now, originally when the draft happened, there was a draft and there was a supplemental draft and a lot of players and a lot of fans and myself included naively thought, well, that's how you get in the XFL is you get drafted. But apparently yeah. there's been more than one avenue to get in the XFL, hasn't there? Yeah, and that's the waiver process. And, um, you know, it's from what I've been able to gather, um, you know, players submit their names. Uh, they may even sign a contract. I don't know if they sign a contract before or they sign a contract when they're claimed by a team, but somehow they get their name in the um, player pool and they get claimed by a team. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of the movement we've seen after minicamp, a lot of the players who have been claimed by teams uh, were a, a part of the original draft pool. So they were part of that pool. The XFL released those names, but they were never drafted. So these are teams kind of filling gaps in, in their rosters at this point. But some of those uh, players, Daniel Braverman, who I talked about earlier, was one. Um, I, I don't think Nick Brossett was in the original um, a draft pool. So these are guys who have come along later, who've somehow contacted the NFL or the or the XFL, and the XFL has contacted them. They've become available to teams, and the teams have claimed them. So we're still in the dark about some of that process, but there does appear to be a, a big pool that teams have an opportunity to claim players from. Yeah, I agree. We're in the dark on that process, but I, I'd like to thank you for shedding a little light on it for us and for the mm-hmm. XFL fans that are listening to this. Yeah. Uh, it's very helpful. Now, we know that as we talked about, there's players that are not sure they, they might want to stay on an, on an NFL practice roster or, or an NFL or wait for a chance in the, or an opportunity in the NFL. But there's still plenty of players clamoring to get on an XFL roster, aren't there? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, you see it on Twitter all the time. Um, players who are really making their case to the personnel people uh, in the XFL to get an opportunity. You know, you, you see that. And, and I've gotten direct messages from, from players on Twitter that, you know, they kind of send me their CV, their resume, and, and hope that I can sort of signal boost their um, their abilities and, and get the attention of the people in charge of the XFL. So, there's always going to be players who are looking for an opportunity. And so that, that well, especially with the AAF going away, that well is not going to run dry. Yeah, that well is definitely not going to run dry. I actually have a question related to that. Now, I know there's one potential XFL player on Twitter that keeps on uh, saying that the XFL is not hiring any Division Three, any players that were formerly, that formerly played at Division Three colleges. I don't think that's true, though. I think there's plenty of Division Three college players in the XFL rosters now. Yeah, I, I believe that's the case as well. Um, when you are a league like the XFL, you're going to leave no stone unturned for talent because talent and the quality of play is going to drive the success of the league or failure of the league. So you cannot afford as a startup league such as the XFL is to not turn over every stone in your search for the best players, quite frankly, who are not in the NFL. And and any way you can get your hands on them, wherever they come from, uh, you're going to want to discover them. You're going to want to bring them aboard because as we learned from the first go-around of the XFL, um, it takes stake to go with the sizzle um, to have success as a league. Yeah, I agree. You know, I interviewed a tight end a couple months ago, and I 
asked him talk we talked about his uh his college career and he pointed out that he took an unusual path to pro football in other words he didn't have a big college uh standout year or anything like that he just he developed most of his his playing skills after he was in college as a matter of fact and, mm-hmm. and now he's uh, uh he's very skilled as a tight end so Everyone has a different path to get to pro football. Is what is kind of what he pointed out to me, and I, I I agree with him. I think he was right about that. Now let's talk about the Vipers. Mm-hmm. Uh, have they made many player moves through the course of minicamp and up to today? They were actually one of the few teams who uh, made their transactions public. I think they were the first team that posted on Twitter the transactions that they had made after minicamp, and they've been involved in a couple trades. Um, they've added a couple defensive backs, uh, so you can kind of glean from the positions that they've added where they maybe weren't so happy with their uh, minicamp performances or the positions that they felt needed to be upgraded before training camp. Um, they've added a long snapper, so... Um, they've got long snapper competition in training camp with uh, West Farnsworth, who was just recently added. He was um, in uh, NFL training camp with the Dolphins this past summer. And I think the big uh, name that they added was Jalen Collins, who they acquired in a trade from L.A. for Arian Springs, basically a, a one-for-one quarterback trade. And Collins is a former second-round pick of the Atlanta Falcons, played in the NFL for a few years. So he really brings a lot of uh, pro experience and a highly regarded pedigree to that defensive back room in Tampa Bay. There's been some exciting uh, movements all across the league, but I was curious about the Vipers because it seems that they haven't been making a whole lot of moves, but they've made some, as you pointed out, they've made some important moves. Yeah, definitely. And and like you said, based on the positions that they've added, that they've uh, subtracted, you can kind of see where they were happy with their positions in minicamp and maybe not so happy with. Uh, based on the additions, and I think they're the only team so far to have placed players on injured reserve or made public the fact that they've placed players on injured reserve. So that's a a list that we don't know a lot about. I know that the NFL, for a long time, once you were placed on injured reserve, you were out for the year. And that's still largely the case, although the NFL has made exceptions, a couple uh, exceptions per team every year that you can be placed on injured reserve. You have to stay on there for a certain amount of time, but you can actually be activated off injured reserve before the end of the year. So I'm kind of interested now that we've gotten that uh, made public by the Vipers to see what the XFL rules are on that, whether or not it's the same, whether if you're placed on injured reserve, even in minicamp, are you out completely for the year or is there a chance you get activated at some point? Uh, my hope is that if you're placed on injured reserve, you, you have the opportunity to be activated sometime uh, during the year. I I don't like the idea of once you're placed on injured reserve, you have to sit out the year. So, um, you know, that's another thing that we're a little in the dark about, and I'm sure that's not exactly a priority for the XFL brass to to make public or anything like that, but it's worth watching and, and seeing um, whether or not the players that Tampa placed on IR uh, are activated throughout the year. Yeah, thanks for pointing that out. That's actually a good point you made. You know, I agree with you with the uh, with the league has bigger fish to fry than to get on, yeah. to, get on to the telling us about every transaction, but I, I think that'll come eventually, and we'll look forward to it. And, you know, it's uh, go Vipers. <laughs> go go Vipers indeed. It's it's uh, going to be fun covering them this year for XFL board. And, you know, it's, um, it's a little unfortunate that training camp, and I totally understand why the league wants to do this, but having training camp in a centralized location in Houston for at least the first year, you know, when you're trying to build a fan base uh, locally, especially, which is what every one of these teams is trying to do, I think it does – hurt a little bit to not have 
the open training camps um, that that NFL teams have. And, you know, I think that's that's one of the great things that you see from the NFL is a lot of their training camps are held locally. They're open to the public. They can really get up close and personal with the players. We saw that a little bit uh, in minicamp with the XFL, but it's, it's really, a, unfortunately, a missed opportunity for the XFL this year. Again, I, I completely understand for the first year why they want to make sure all their ducks in a row and, and have teams practice at a centralized location. Hopefully this is the only year they do that. Uh, even the NFL teams, to, to be honest, are going away from that public training camp. I know, um, you know, where I grew up, the Buffalo Bills trained about an hour away from where I lived, and I always went to training camp once or twice a year to uh to watch them up close and personal uh they had you know the majority of practices open to the public and now they may have three a year that are open to the public and i I notice a lot of nfl teams are shrinking the number of practices in training camp that they have open to the public and i think that's an avenue that the xfl could really exploit by really inviting the public to come to as many practices as they can have open but you know, maybe that'll start next year. It's it's not going to happen this year with them all practicing in Houston, but it's something I hope they take advantage of uh, starting in year two. Yeah, the XFL is promoting itself as a fan-friendly league, and I believe they have a sincere uh, hope that they would be able to outdo the NFL in that way. And I and I think they've mm-hmm. already shown that they're uh, they're able to do that in many ways. But I wonder how they will compensate. For the Tampa fans, for example, mm-hmm. when the Tampa team is not having a training camp locally, I wonder if there's any way for them to compensate for that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'd be interested to see whether or not the training camps and, and how open they are to the public in Houston. You know, I don't know if the Houston fans are going to really want to come and watch. You know, the LA Wildcats practice. There'd probably be a lot more interest in the Roughnecks. Um, but I, I'm curious to see what level of openness there are to the training camp practices this year. But I think it's just going to have to be social media. I think, uh, and the social media teams have done a really nice job of you know, adding video and adding cool interviews and things like that for each team. So I think if you're, if you're a Vipers fan and you're missing out on training camp, I think you just got to stay tuned to the social media avenues and channels to um, to really stay connected to the team throughout this training camp. Yeah, I would suspect uh, each team is going to bring their social media people to the training camp in Houston, and they're sure. going to they're going to go in that route. There's another thing they could do. The for example, the Tampa team could have an open practice just prior to season starting or at least uh, when the season is first beginning depending on the timing and having an open practice or a fan day yeah and try to get the fans in the stadium uh, to, to check out the team and I think fans will yeah like that. And, and I think there will be a small gap of time between when training camp ends in Houston and when the first game is played and if you are able to hold a fan fest or something like that where um, you know you're giving fans the ability to come to the stadium, buy individual game tickets, buy season tickets, interact with the players, watch a practice. Um, even just one, I, I think, is really uh, would be advantageous for each one of these teams. I, I suspect they're going to do something like that, and that'll be be a good idea. Now, uh, I'd like to thank you for coming out today, and I'd like to uh, wish you all the best reporting on the Tampa Bay Vipers. And you know something? The more I look at their uniforms, the more I get used to them and the more I like them. Well, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, more, Mark, hopefully more fans are like you. You know, I think uh, as, as XFL fans, we all have uniforms we kind of gravitate to and uniforms that kind of repel us. And I know the Vipers uniform was not one that was immensely popular when it was first released. But I think the more you see it, the more you see it in action. You see it on the players in the field. 
Um, just the more you get used to it, I think the more normal it will seem. Uh, so that's that's kind of my hope. I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. Yep. And they certainly have a, a, a bright color scheme for everyone to get behind. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for coming out today. Sure, Mark. Thanks for having me. Good talking to you again. Right. And people can follow you online at Greg M. Parks on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, like, I, like you said at the opening, I, I um, cover wrestling for uh, Pro Wrestling Torch, so I'll tweet a lot about wrestling, but you know, I'll also throw in my two cents about any kind of XFL news that comes our way, too. And once the season starts up in full, I'll uh, be covering the Vipers for XFL board. Actually, this coming week, while I'm on vacation, I'll take a little time and look at the, uh, um, the Tampa Bay Vipers roster and put out a depth chart. Uh, pre-training camp depth chart with some analysis on the position groups for the Vipers. So um, people can find that on XFL board this coming week. Well, thank you, Greg. Well, have a good holiday. Uh, You too, sir. Thanks again to our guests, Colin Jeter and Greg Parks. I hope you enjoyed today's interviews. You're welcome to come back next Sunday where we will have more guests and more XFL. Until next time, this was your host, Mark Nelson, and I hope you enjoyed XFL Extra, the XFLboard.com podcast. Mm-hmm.